0: The lesson this morning will be taken from Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 38. The subject of the verses, though it deals with several things, but the main message of these verses is about God's faithful servant. Let's read these verses together. Luke chapter 21, beginning with verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day, that is the day of God, the end of time, come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on all the face of the whole earth. Watch you therefore, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple. And at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. Now last week we talked about the passing away of heaven and earth. Heaven and earth is the stage wherein God... Will manifest His glory. That's what creation is all about. It's the stage upon which God has purpose to show or manifest His glory in the salvation of sinners. That's what creation is all about. That's the purpose behind it. Creation's not the playground for fools. Although there are plenty of them in it. It's not the playground of fools. It's not the great beyond for adventurers. And it's not the untapped source of riches. It's the stage. That's why it continues on. That's why it's going to continue on until God's purpose is fulfilled. All creation is here. It's being ordered and run and managed and set in motion and continued in motion. It's preserved. To this end that God's going to manifest his glory. And it had a beginning and it has an end. It has a purpose and it has an expectation. And creation is a marvelous thing. It's, it's breathtaking sometimes to go out at night on a clear night. Most of the time. There's so much pollution and stuff in the air, you just see a few stars. But it's breathtaking in in a certain area or at a certain time to walk out at night and look up into the heavens. You look up there on a clear night and you see the night lights in the sky and take in what surely must be just the edge of the universe. Just, Just what's seeable to the naked eye. But even more breathtaking is the knowledge that God spoke it into existence. He commanded. Huh? He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. It's, it's more breathtaking to know that God spoke it into existence by His Son and He's given Him the power over it and the uh, the work to perform in it, and the authority to order it, and the power to destroy it. It's all in His hands. And even more is the glory of the salvation of chosen sinners that, that He accomplishes in it. That's more glorious than the universe. The universe is just the stage, you know. You go and, uh, and you see uh, an act, uh, We don't have that so much anymore. You you just watch television and stuff. But years ago, they had an act, and and performers would come out on the stage. Well, everybody didn't sit there in awe of the stage, they sat there in awe of what was going on on the stage. And this is what our Lord is talking to us about. And oh, may the Lord make us mindful of His purpose of grace in this world and make us daily active in it. It says, by Him, talking about Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Creation not for you. It's for Him. It's for Him. The glory of it is not what you do in it. It's what He's doing in it. He's before all things. And by Him all things have a continuance. All things consist. And there's a purpose in creation and that purpose is being fulfilled one day at a time. Every day. Every day. We wake, we work, we whatever we do, we go to sleep. God's purpose is being fulfilled every day, constantly, 24 hours a day. And when that purpose is fulfilled, heaven and earth shall pass away. And then secondly, we talked about the words of Christ. My words, he said, should not pass away. Everything he promised is going to come to pass. Everything he talked about has a contingency. His words concerning our preservation from the destruction of all things around us. His words of deliverance from the wrath to come. His words of promise concerning eternity and life everlasting. His words of blessing and peace and refuge from the judgment of God. And then we talked about a warning. Take heed to yourselves. That's what he said. Where do I fit in concerning these things that are coming? Take heed to yourselves. It's not enough to to look out here and know what in general God's doing. He said, take heed to yourselves. What's that mean? Each one of us. Each one of us. Now this morning, I want us again to consider three more lessons from this chapter, and this should wind us up with chapter 21. I want to talk to you a little bit about the snare of worldliness, and then the worthiness to escape that snare, and then God's faithful servant ministering to those who shall be heirs of salvation. So let's begin here with the Snare of worldliness. What is worldliness? You know, somebody wears a dress too short or they wear their hair too long. and Oh, he's so worldly. What is worldliness? Worldliness is anything that has to do with this world. <laughs> That's worldliness. Anything and everything that has to do with this world. He said of the old priesthood and tabernacle that they had a worldly sanctioning sanctuary. It was made of things of this world, it was managed by things of this world, and it was managed by those he appointed to manage it. And they were of this world. That old tabernacle had a worldly sanctuary, something you could see and touch. In Ephesians 2.2, 2, he defines being dead in sins as walking according to the course of this world. There's a course that men walk, unbelieving men, in this world. And it's, it's death is what it is. It's death. All false religion John defines as being of this world. Verse John 4 verse 5. Satan and his fallen angels are called the rulers of the darkness of this world. Religion without true knowledge of God is paganism and nothing but darkness. In Galatians 1.4 it says, Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us, now listen, from this present evil world, and bad according to the will of God our Father. We're warned in Colossians 2.8 not to be spoiled through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the basic principles or rudiments of this world and not after Christ. He tells us in James chapter 4 verse 4 that the friendship of this world is enmity with God. And Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. James tells us again, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep yourselves unspotted from the world. From the world. And then John said this. in John chapter 2, or First John chapter 2. He said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world, are you listening, passeth away hard to get a grasp on that, ain't it? It passes away. This world and the things of it, its philosophy, principles, pleasures, promises are nothing but a snare. They're a snare. A snare is something used to trap a bird or a a rabbit. A a simple... um, thing, I had a friend of mine who was in the Boy Scouts and I went with him and the lesson that day was about a snare. And they had a little box. They used to deliver milk and they had a little wooden box and we had one in boxes and you put a little stick up there with a string on it and you put a little bait inside and you sit back and when rabbit or bird or whatever you're after goes in there, you pull the stick out, and the box comes there. A snare. This whole world is a snare. It's a snare. That's what it is. God set it up. It's a snare for unbelieving men. What's the bait? Religion. That's the bait. Oh, my soul. Put a little bait in there. Track this one or that one. And they go in and the end of time. This world and especially its religion is the bait, and men and women are attracted to it, drawn to it, sacrifice things to have it, devote whole lives to get it. It's a snare for the ungodly. In Isaiah, he said that Christ would be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses of Israel, and a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, these Pharisees and and scribes and, and so forth. And they'll stumble and fall and be broken and snared and be taken. And while this present evil world and their religion draws in the multitudes, our Lord will suddenly appear. He'll suddenly appear. In the twinkling of an eye, it'll be so fast. And they'll have no way of escape. Whereas a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on all the face of the whole earth. And he warns us, take heed to yourselves that this day don't come upon you unawares. Know what the snare is and avoid it. The world, its promises, its pleasures and religions shall be a snare upon the bulk of humanity just before Christ returns. And secondly, he talks about a people worthy to escape these things. He said, watch therefore, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. This standing he's talking about is standing there without fear, standing there by faith in Him. Standing there is Him as your representative, your substitute, your salvation. You'll stand there with Him. And he mentions four things in this verse that we need to pay attention to concerning the judgment of God. First of all, a spiritual awareness. In Ephesians 5.15, Paul tells us, See that you walk circumspectly. What's that mean? Carefully. Don't don't take the day frivolously. Don't, don't. well, whatever will be, will be. Don't take the day that way. Walk carefully, carefully. See that you walk not circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Believers are cautioned in the preceding verse not to let that day come upon them unawares because it will as a snare. And then secondly in that verse he said, watch you therefore and pray always. Now, I just cannot imagine a marriage where the husband and wife never speak. I know that there are some. We know them. A husband and wife never speak. Live in the same house, eat the same food, never speak. I I just I can't imagine a marriage where a husband and wife never speak, neither can I imagine a saving relationship with Christ without prayer. Can you? There's nothing too small or too common for a wife and a husband. To discuss, is there? There isn't with Christ either. And that's the way it ought to be. Prayer's a sacred thing. Prayer's a divine privilege given to the children of God. Listen to this over in Hebrews 10, 21. He said, having a high priest over the house of God. Now, if you do a little study on the priesthood. The people didn't go into the Holy of Holies. They didn't even go into the front part of the tabernacle. These were all priests that did this. And they did it for the congregation. And And he said, Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We have boldness, Paul said, to enter into the holiest of all. We don't go to a priest and confess our sins and ask him for salvation and ask him all these things. We don't go to the... No. Where do we go? He said, when you pray, say, Our Father. Where's he at? In the holiest of all. And we have a privilege to enter into the holiest of all, he said, by the blood of Jesus. Huh? Oh, what a privilege. And how and how we we need to exercise it. He says, Watch therefore and pray always. A watchful prayer is a prayer with a sense of understanding and awareness in it. What do we know that the rest of the world don't know? Huh? What do we know that millions out there don't know? Paul said, I know whom I have believed. That's the main thing. We know him. We're not deceived. They'll come preaching another Jesus and another gospel by another spirit. He tells us that. They're going to come. They're going to... Use the name Jesus. They're going to use the name prayer and and saved and sanctified and all the words that you read in the Scripture. But they're preaching another Jesus. We know whom we have believed. And Paul said, I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. How'd he know that? (laughs) He read the Word of God and God revealed it to him. We know whom we have believed. Who he is and why he came and what he did and where he's at. We know the way of God. Christ is the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we know the will of God. His will is that of all which he's given a son, he should lose nothing. His will is that those who see the Son and believe on him should have everlasting life. We know the will of God. Not his will that any of his elect should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the good pleasure of his will, we understand that. He's having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And I know this, he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And we know this, he's coming again. Yet a little while, Paul said, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. And then the third thing he tells us in this verse is that there is a way of escape. How shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? You won't die in your sins? Neglect the means of God. I'm telling you the truth. You don't care if you go to heaven or hell. You don't care about your soul. You don't care about the things of God. All you have to do is just ignore it. All you have to do. Destruction and misery are in their ways. They'll (coughs) self-destruct. We know that He's coming again. And we know that there is a way of escape. There are some who won't be taken in the snare. Let me tell you something. There's no getting out of the snare. Once the snare is tripped, once the Son of God comes, that's it. There's no way of... You're not getting out of the, out of the snare. And no escape when the trap is sprung. There is but one way to escape and that is to avoid the snare. To know what it is and keep away from it. And then the fourth thing he tells us in verse 36 is that some are counted worthy to escape. Now, don't you hear me? They're not counted worthy because they watch and pray. I don't know how many people I read and they picked right up on that sentence and said this is what makes them worthy. They pray always. That's not what makes you worthy. Those are the fruits of worthiness. But their worthiness is altogether together in Christ. You're complete in Him. Huh? There's no other way of escape. Christ is all and in all. He's the new man that we strive to put on. He's that which we put on as we are renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Am I... Worthy to escape the horrors of this unbelieving world? I am if I believe in and on the Son of God. I am worthy. You know what he's going to say to every believer. And believe me, I, I've been around a while. And I can say this myself. i got a lot of ifs and ands and buts. But even those, even none, Oh, listen to me. Even those, he's going to look at it and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He can't be talking about me. He has to be talking about Christ. huh? But if I'm in him, I'm a good and faithful servant. And to stand before the Son of Man with confidence and assurance, with a good hope by grace. And to stand before the Son of Man knowing that He's the reason I'm able to stand. And then lastly, I want us to consider God's faithful servant, the Son of Man. Verse 37. It says, In the daytime He was teaching in the temple. From the time the sun come up to the time the sun went down. Did you know that the daytime describes his dealings with men? You're not of the night, he said, you're of the day. All his dealings with men, all all the, the gospel he preached, all of his teaching is light, it's light. And he worked in, work while it's day. Night cometh when no man can work. In the daytime he was teaching in the temple and at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people, now listen to this, all with an interest. Uh, all that was willing to come to him. All the people came early in the morning. And they came to the temple. No, that ain't what it says. They came to Him. There's a difference. It's one thing to come to church. It's another to come here to hear Christ. Well, I'll go to church, and that way my conscience won't bother me. (laughs) Your conscience will bother you if you come for the wrong reason. He keep on both. All the people came early in the morning to him. Now listen, in the temple, where can I go to hear him? Wherever he's at, huh? Wherever he's at. Where's he at? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there shall I be in the midst. They all came to Him in the temple. Why didn't they come? To hear Him. They'd never been a servant of God like Jesus Christ. His whole body, soul, and spirit dedicated to God and the work given Him to accomplish and every waking moment He was giving of Himself uh, to them who are in need every waking moment he was either healing somebody or he was teaching or he was he was feeding he was curing he was huh he was giving of himself to those in need and then in the evenings he'd have to be exhausted in the evenings he was in prayer with god in prayer with god I'm yet to read in the Scripture a frivolous moment in his life. I've never read one. Not a frivolous moment. He was doing something to accomplish God's purpose every second, every hour, every day. Now listen to this, verse 38. All the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him It was not the temple that drew them, but the servant of God. And he very clearly tells us they came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. I wonder this morning if there's some here today, as there were in that day, whose reason for coming is to hear him. Uh, Is that what brought you here this morning? to hear him and I'll tell you what the Lord said he took these disciples they had no clue you know you think preachers that, that's this guy who who comes to his pastor and he said I want to be a preacher that that's not how preachers are chosen he, he took these men and he said you, 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 you and he got quite a few of them and he said now you go out He that heareth you heareth me. Now he didn't single out three. What was it, a hundred and some men he sent out? Twice he did that. He didn't say, now, these four, you really won't listen to them. No, he said, he that heareth you, from the greatest to the least, heareth me. Heareth me. Do you believe that? Do you believe when you come here that God may give you a word from Him? That's why they were in that temple. They were hoping to hear a word from God. Oh, they came... Believing Him to be God's servant and to have God's message to them. And they didn't show up out of duty or a sense of guilt, but excited and expecting to hear it. Because they heard before. If you ever hear, you'll come expecting to hear Won't you? And to hear Him untangle the deep mysteries of God. I, I couldn't tell you how many times... I've said in my study, and God will open something up to me, and I'll preach on it, and there'll be ten people walk up to me. I never saw that before. This is what Christ was doing. He was untangling these mysteries. All these things are mysteries to men. They never thought about predestination. They never thought about eternal matters. Oh, they came there and listened to Him untangle the deep mysteries of God and to tell and interpret the parables. What do these things mean? That's what His disciples asked Him and He told them. Oh, to interpret the parables and the types. And they came there believing Him to be the source of great blessing and provision. He was the reason for their being there. And then notice this, they came early. And those who truly have an interest in Christ, they seek Him early. Not only did they come to seek Him, but they come to hear Him. This is the man who spoke the universe into existence. Never. Huh, why didn't you stone him? Why didn't you do what we sent you out? Never a man spake like this man. Mm. this is the Son of Man, our Savior. May the Lord give us what He gave them and bring us early to hear a word from Him. Amen. Thank you.